Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. The reason the sons of the world hold almost all the resources on the planet is because they are experts in the functionality of their system, where the sons of the light are still discovering how the kingdom of God operates. But that is about to change. So I say it again. The reason the world has all the stuff, it's not God's fault. It's not God. He was never planning it. See, the, the kingdom of God is an ever-increasing kingdom. His glory will fill all the earth. His church will be so prosperous in every way. But the reason they've got all the stuff and the influence is they are experts in the way their system operates, where the church is still discovering how the kingdom functions on planet earth. But we're beginning to discover that. I said to the Lord this week, Lord, give me a couple of words to encourage me. And he said this to me. He said, hang on. I said, oh. <laughs> I've been hanging on a long time. And he said, no, no. This is as clear as anything. He said, no, 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 no. I said, hang on. I said, I, I get it now. You're saying, hang on for the ride of your life. And that's what he's saying to you right now. This is not a time where you have to hang on for another miracle or hang on just till Jesus comes. But this is the time where God is inviting the church to the greatest ride of their life. Amen. Amen? So I say to you, hang on. Because it's about to get really good. In Matthew 6, Jesus contrasts two kingdoms. And as I read this many times, this chapter, it's, it's, to be honest, it hasn't always encouraged me. Because I've read, read it through religious eyes and not being greatly inspired. How many people know that when you read the scripture with religious eyes, it limits you? Yeah. And, it, and, and it almost forces us to believe that nothing good is ever going to happen in my life until I get to heaven. See, Father's not so much focused with getting people out of earth into heaven but rather is interested in getting heaven into people on earth. Should I say that again? He's not so much interested in getting you out of earth into heaven, although that is going to happen, but his greatest goal is getting what's in heaven into people on earth. That's what God is about. And so when you read Matthew 6, you have to read it with this mindset that Father is about getting what's in heaven into people on earth. His plan has never changed. He wants to fill the earth with the glory of the Lord, which is the culture of heaven. God is really interested in what is taking place right now on planet earth. You may want to write this down. Religion is a substitute for the kingdom. So I want to just set the scene before we get into Matthew 6. Religion is a substitute for the kingdom. Religion preoccupies man... Until he discovers the kingdom. The kingdom of God is everything about the gospel. When Jesus preached the gospel, he preached the kingdom. Religion. See, a lot of people in church have got religion, but they haven't got the kingdom. And there's a world of difference. So when we approach Matthew, it's got to be with a kingdom mindset. Religion prepares man to leave earth, but the kingdom of God empowers man to dominate while they're on earth. Did you hear that? The kingdom is about preparing you to rule and reign here on earth right now. I grew up in a Pentecostal church with my father, my grandfather, and it was all about preparing people in the sweet by and by. So you didn't educate yourself, you didn't get a great job, you didn't save your money, you didn't buy a house, you didn't buy anything because everything had to be invested in getting people ready for heaven. And we gave up dominion on earth. Religion postpones the kingdom to a future time. And I'm here to tell you that God wants to move powerfully in your life right now. On the earth. On the earth right now. Did you hear me? His greatest displays of power will be through you in a world that is resisting the occupation of the kingdom. Beware. 
of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them, or, other, or otherwise you will have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites or the impersonators do, in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they would be honored by men. Truly I say they will have their reward in full. And I said to you a few weeks ago, there's a lot in the kingdom that masquerades as the kingdom it's merely religious and fleshly. And Jesus starts by saying that he doesn't want you to masquerade in the kingdom, looking like the kingdom, but actually smelling like a religious man. goes on to say in verse 3, When you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret. Say with me, in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you openly. And I said again to you that there is little visible manifestation of the kingdom glory on some people's finances because it doesn't originate from the secret place. What comes from the secret place has maximum kingdom glory. In other words, you can accumulate a whole lot of wealth using the system of this world, toil, sweat, manipulation, all those things, but it'll bear a little kingdom glory. And Jesus is saying here, it's what's done in the secret place, the revelation that comes out of the heart of God, the mind of God, that is going to bear maximum kingdom glory in your life. God is greatly pleased and glorified when he takes people that hear his voice and put into place what he has shown them for his glory. He doesn't get any glory out of you working, slugging your guts out day after day, week after week, accumulating and saying, look what I did. There's no glory in that. But we're in a season where he's whispering into the hearts of his people kingdom strategies in the secret place that are going to come out and manifest amazing glory in your world. And you will say, look what God has done. This is a miracle. It wasn't me. I didn't work and toil and sweat. God spoke, I acted, and I got my miracle. And when you're praying, don't use meaningless repetitions as the Gentiles do, for they think they're going to be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. See, the role of the Holy Spirit is to get you to say one word, Abba. His assignment is to reconnect you with the heart of the Father. Jesus said before he left, I'm going to my Father and your Father. And so he wants us to come into this place of partnering with the Father to find breakthrough in our finances. So he said in verse 9, Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven. Did you hear that? Our Father is located in heaven. In heaven, there is unlimited resources. Many of us are planning our life by our finite resources. But you today, you powerful person, have access to the mind of God with unlimited resources. If he doesn't have it, he will make it. He says, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And, and Jesus says, I want you to pray this way. Our Father, who is in heaven. So right away, I'm getting a, a revelation that all the wealth that will flow through me will come from the heavenly places. I will get strategies from God. And God has unlimited resources. Right. Unlimited. Amen. Well, you shouldn't have spent that money on a BMW or on a new house. My friend... God's going to get enough money to not only bless you, but to pour so much money through you that you are a blessing to everyone around you. And we so limit God. He can either work through me or in me. He can't do both. And you hear all this religious nonsense that says that when you enter the kingdom and you begin to access kingdom finances, it's not about you. It's about God flowing through you. And I say, you know what? It's both. It's both. It's both. He's got enough to bless you and meet all of your needs and cause you to be a blessing. He said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you, man. 
I'm going to pour out such blessing and you will also be a blessing to the nations. God can do both at the same time. He has an unlimited pie. He has resources in heaven that you know nothing about. There is more than enough. So change the way you think. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. We spoke last week about spiritual headship. The enemy hates this because he knows that when we come under the headship of God, it's all over for him. See, we said that last week as we give the tithe, as Abraham did to Melchizedek, we are saying to God, you are spiritual head over all of my life, my family, my finances. I make you the head. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. See, kingdom finance begins by understanding all the resources I need are in heaven and God is going to function in my life as the spiritual head. How many of you today, don't put your hands up, but how many of you today have made God the spiritual head of your finances? Do you remember I said anything that remains, and we talked about the loaves and the fishes, anything that remains under man's control is under a cursed system and not under the dominion of God where he is able to, tra to, to multiply. But when we take our loaves and fishes, our first fruits, and we give it to the Lord, he is able to bring it into his domain and speak blessing upon it. Yeah. See, I've heard this. See, a lot of Christians get confused. And it's not always their fault because there's a lot of preachers that confuse people. One preacher says, I'm blessed. One says, I'm cursed. One says, I can never be blessed because I'm always cursed. One says, I can be I'm never cursed because I'm always blessed. The way I see it is this. Jesus died on the cross and he delivered you from the curse. He did that at the cross. At the cross, the crown of thorns was placed upon his head, the thorns representing the curse of poverty, the, the poverty thinking. The blood flowed freely down his head for the renewing of the mind of the church according to finances. Not a doubt. I'll preach that to the day I die. But there still is the government of God, the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of mammon or the kingdom of man. Jesus redeemed us from the curse. It means we have access to walk as children in the kingdom of God. The Spirit of God lives in us, and he will lead us in the kingdom of God. But you have the choice to say, I don't want you to be spiritual head over my finances. I will operate in the system of toil, worry, anxiety, and stress. I venture to say that the majority of the body of Christ live in a cursed system. Even though they've been redeemed from the curse. They worry about their money, they stress, they toil, they strive, and they don't hear the Spirit of God giving them strategy about their finances. Now you can call it what you like. I call it a cursed way of living. How many people want to be free from worry and stress and anxiety when it comes to money and have such a flow? That's called the blessed life. That's why Jesus died on the cross. Did he redeem you from the curse? Absolutely. But you get to choose. Your kingdom come. Your will be done, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our... It says in the Greek, give us this day tomorrow's bread. The translators didn't like that because they read Matthew 6 with a religious mindset. But the true Greek says, you can read it, you know, if you have the American Standard Version, you look in the footnotes, if you read the Passion Translation, you will see this. Give us this day tomorrow's bread. See, this is how the Father operates. He's restoring the Sabbath rest back to his people. Do you remember in the garden when... Adam was born, he was born into the rest. The provision was taken care of. In the sixth day, the Sabbath is about the sixth day, you get double, so in the seventh day you can rest. Isaiah says, for their shame, I'm going to give them double. It means that you are born into a place of rest. You are born into an overflowing supply. And Jesus said, pray it this way, Lord, this day give me tomorrow's bread. For sufficient is the trouble for today. In other words, God doesn't want you worrying about tomorrow. 
focus. See, see, here's the problem. When you have money issues, your worry and anxiety is about who is going to fix tomorrow. How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to do this? And Jesus said, you pray this way. Lord, give me today tomorrow's bread. Because Adam fell, he entered into a cursed system. And this is a problem. You need money and provision to fulfill your assignment, your destiny, your calling. And so Adam went from subduing the earth to meeting his own needs. See, why do I say to people you need more money? Because God's got a great assignment for your life. And he doesn't want the focus of your life being provision. If you have no provision, you can't pursue your vision. You can't pursue your assignment. And the body of Christ is on this, on this treadmill trying to make enough money. They're worried, they're stressed. They're ang- and see, when you're filled with worry and anxiety, you can't hear God speak. When I'm uptight and stressed, I can't hear God speak. I can't hear him speak. It's actually called finding peace in troubled times. And this is the thought behind it. When I'm anxious and worried and uptight, it blocks out the voice of God. And it's the enemy's plan. See, the greatest thing is he wants money and the pursuit of money to so consume your world that the voice of God becomes dull. This is what Mark falls about. Worry, stress, the cares of this world, choke the word and make it unfruitful. God wants to free you from the concerns of money. And as I look around, wherever I go, people have money issues. Either greed or poverty. God wants to free you from it. So that's the attraction of the Sabbath rest. God looked at Adam and said, you know what, I'm going to fix that. I'm going to reinstate the Sabbath rest for my people. I'm going to give them strategy that will cause them to make so much money and tap into an unlimited supply that they will never have to again worry about tomorrow. And they will be able to pursue the assignment that I gave for their life. Verse 12, I need to hurry, and forgive our, us our debts as we forgive those who have, are indebted against us. So the greatest debt that God ever forgives is what? Sin. Sin is a debt. God forgave that. And Jesus said, forgive us our debts. God is going to forgive debts. It's forgiveness of the debt of sin. But you know what? There's a correlation that when God's people get free from sin, they will begin to be people that free people from debt in their own world. He will free us from spiritual debt, physical, tangible debt. And we'll be those that say, Lord, because you have forgiven me of my debt, I'm going to be a person that begins to free people from their debt. That's the anointing of Jubilee. Not just to tell people that they need a saviour, and they do to be forgiven of their sin, but God is prospering the church to release people from great debt in their life. Verse 19. And do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. No, no, no. Don't get a car, a boat. Don't get any of that filthy treasures on earth. Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Don't you have anything of physical, tangible wealth on earth? How dare you invest everything that you have in heaven? But is that what Jesus is saying? He says, don't accumulate for yourself treasures. That word treasures is storehouses. Don't go accumulating storehouses on earth. Why? Because the enemy will break into them. If you function in a fallen system, Mark 4 says that the birds steal the seed that doesn't find itself in good ground. If you function in an earthly system, the enemy is going to take you out one way or the other. He'll either rob you of your money, rob you of your peace, rob you of your time, rob you of your peace. He will steal from you. And Jesus said, I'm letting you in on a secret. Don't build a storehouse on earth. Don't build earthly storehouses. Don't accumulate them. But, but listen, listen. But store up for yourselves. He's giving you a tip. Don't store up in the earthly system, but build a storehouse 
are heavenly. So when we read the word heaven, why is it that the church keeps taking Jesus' teaching and placing it in the hereafter? Did not he pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Isn't he teaching us about how to bring the kingdom? Matthew's about bringing the kingdom rule here right now. So he's saying, you need to build storehouses for yourself in heaven. In, it's a kingdom storehouse where the enemy cannot steal. For where your treasure is, there is your heart. Store, uh, storehouses are located in your heart. And the issue is, Father wants your heart. He wants to be the Lord over your life. He wants to partner with you. He wants to partner with you. Malachi says that God had this against Israel, that they'd robbed him. And we think, oh, God's really cheesed off because we robbed him of his money. He hasn't got much. We keep stealing his money. He said, no, you've robbed me of the pleasure of being the spiritual head over your life. That's the issue. He says, I want you to build a storehouse, a kingdom storehouse inside you. And I'm going to teach you how to unlock kingdom wealth that nobody can steal. The enemy won't steal your peace. He won't steal your joy. He won't steal your finances. Because my kingdom is an ever-increasing kingdom that the enemy cannot touch. You won't have to stay up at night worrying about how to keep your money. Worrying that, that the economy is going to turn and you'll miss out because God will pre-warn you. He will come in the midnight hour like he came to Joseph and he said, get out of that place because they're going to kill Jesus, go to Egypt. He will pre-warn you about everything in the economy and nothing will be stolen from you. But if you store up and hoard up wealth in the earthly system, you will be taken out. Christian or not, because you won't realize you won't have built a system of the kingdom inside you. And all your working, all your toil will amount to nothing. Don't store up for yourselves storehouses on earth. But store up for yourselves. So he's, he's giving you a tip. He's saying, I'm going to teach you how to prosper. I've read this for many years like, God, you don't want me to have anything. You just want me to have a vision for heaven. And everything I do is about sowing for the future. And there's an aspect that that's right. But Jesus is showing us how to reign on earth. There's a storehouse in you. Jesus said, in me are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. There's a storehouse inside you. Inside you, my friend, it's called the Holy Ghost. Remember I told you last week, flowing out of Eden... Eden is pleasure. It's Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God's got flowing out of you four rivers. One of the rivers encircled gold, the finest gold. It's a picture that God will lead you by his spirit to the greatest provision that you've ever seen. Out of another river, flew. the second river meant breakthrough. So where there's, where there's resistance to the body of Christ, the anointing for breakthrough, anointing for provision, for breakthrough. The third river that came out was the river where Daniel received all his revelation and dreams. It's a river of revelation. So I go to sleep at night and dreams come upon me. God shows me the stocks and, and different aspects of business and he teaches me in my sleep. He comes to me during the day and gives me strategies. I'm here to tell you that you can make more money in a day via the Holy Spirit than you can make in a lifetime on your own. The Bible proves that. And the last river was fruitful. That There's another river that flows out. In, this, in that river is a seed that reproduces itself over and over and over again. Not just for me, but it's a seed for the next generation. That's, that's the storehouse in you. And you need, listen to me, you need to visualize yourself every day. Holy Spirit, there is a heavenly storehouse like he gave to Joseph that's about to be opened to be a blessing to the nations. I have access to all the riches and all the wisdom and all the knowledge of God. It's all there. You know everything. You know what's been and what is to come. Didn't Jesus say in Matthew verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 53, I think it is, he says that, that 
Jesus said, my disciples are like one who digs into his storehouse and brings forth things new and old. Do you remember that? He said that. That's telling me that God will show me new things to come. He'll show me old ways of doing things, old, old principles, things that are timeless truths. He will teach me about. He will show me things to come. And the church has said to themselves that the Holy Ghost is not interested in my finances. And do you know what? Wherever you haven't got a revelation of God being interested in that area is the area that God can't speak to you. But when you get a revelation that God wants to speak to me in every area of my life, that's when the river begins to flow. Matthew 6, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is clear, that word clear means single. Your whole body will be full of light. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you just get a single vision for your life, I am going to learn. I'm going to make it my pursuit to understand how the kingdom of God operates in my world. Listen to me. Listen to me. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. It has to be your pursuit. God, I will not let up until you teach me how your kingdom functions in my life. You said, ask, seek, and knock. And this is what I do. I stand there and I say, God, I'm asking. I'm seeking now. I am knocking. Show me how your kingdom functions in my world. It's not enough just to be a Christian. I've got to understand, how does your kingdom function? Why have we embraced such religious nonsense that says God is not interested in my life, in what I need? This is what the whole chapter is about. God wants to come into your life and teach you how to live successfully. It says the lamp of your body is the eye. If your eye is single, your whole body will be full of light. If you keep flip-flopping between a cursed system and God's system, you're in trouble. James says you're a double-minded man, unstable in all your ways. You've got to make a decision today. I am going to be led by the kingdom of God no other way. I don't get it. And listen, this is not about me being a pastor. This is the way I've lived since I've been a little tacker. I do not understand Christians that have hang-ups with tithing. I just don't get it. I want to make God the spiritual head of everything. I'm not clever enough to do it on my own. It is the greatest no-brainer. He says, give me 10 and I'll teach you how to take your little 90 and so overflow it. I just want you to say, what is he about? He could make 10, 5. He chose 10. And he says, I'll just, enough to make it hurt so you realize you need to live by faith. Enough so you, you're saying, see, one cent in the offering doesn't make God spiritual head of your house. That's called a tip. That's not a tithe. And I would pray this, speak about this, whether I was a pastor or not. I don't need your money. God doesn't need your money. He's after your heart. He wants to be spiritual head over your life. Are you hearing me now? And this is not a sermon about tithing. This is about understanding how the kingdom functions. But if your eye is evil, what's the opposite of single? Yeah, if your eye is evil, that word evil literally means in the Greek, toil. Toil. If you've got a toil mentality, this is what happens. He says, your whole body's full of darkness. If you've been struggling with finances, whether it's greed or poverty, you've got to come back to the kingdom. He says, if your eye is evil, it's, it's full of darkness. Your body's full of darkness. See, the, that's where the enemy operates. He operates in the kingdom of darkness. The Bible says God is light, and in him there is no darkness. And we've been invited into this kingdom that is full of light. I love this because God is saying, I know everything. In God, there is no darkness. Nothing takes him by surprise. He knows where the coin is in the fish's mouth. And you're invited into a system, into a kingdom that is full of light, full of revelation. You're given God's spirit so you would know in your heart. That's why the Holy Spirit's there. He's come to teach you things to come. And you know what? You need to know more than what you know now. 
Because what you know now is not enough. It's got you into trouble. I need to know what God knows. I need to know beyond my own, uh, my own intellectual understanding. God said to me this week, be still, Andrew, and know that I am God. I will be exalted above all the nations. You see all the turmoil, all the darkness, all the confusion. You know, if you would just still your heart, I'm going to show you that I'm going to be exalted above all that. I've got a system that is superior to all of man's system. And he will teach you. I don't like to go into great detail because I'm not here as a financial advisor. But I want to say to you that God will come in his light and revelation and show you things, manifest things that the world doesn't know. But he comes to me and he shows me ceilings and floors of commodity prices. Do you know what that does? I'll tell you what it does. If you're an investor, it gives you this word called peace. See, this is how the Holy Spirit operates. I don't know if you know the Holy Spirit like this, but he'll come and say, say to me, Andrew, this thing here... In the next three months, it won't go below that. And this is its ceiling. And when it hits that, you know a breakout's going to occur. He'll say it like that. And I'll instantly know. And you know what? The same spirit that's in me is in you. And he has realms for you to occupy. It could be investment. It could be real estate. It could be selling, whatever it is, where he will speak a word to you because he is, in the ki- he is the kingdom of light and in him there is no darkness. He knows what the enemy doesn't know. And this is the thing about the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us in mysteries. The enemy belongs in the kingdom of darkness, as I said. And God hides his truths from the enemy. The enemy... His his perception of God and the kingdom is greatly perverted. He doesn't understand. So one of the reasons that God comes to you in dreams, he he speaks to you in parables. And many of you, you pick up things during the week. Some of you are aware of them, some of you are not. But God's given you codes and patterns. He speaks to us in mysterious ways because he hides that from the enemy. And Satan only figures out that something's going on by the increase of the anointing that is on your life. As you move into new territory, so does the anointing. So the more you hear from God, the more he trains you, the more you grow in your authority in that area, and the enemy looks at you, he knows something is going on, he just doesn't know what it is, but he sees an increase of authority in your world. Are you hearing me? And that's why you pick up spiritual agitation, that there's resistance, because the enemy knows it's a bit like this. Do you remember when... When Joseph dies and Pharaoh, the new king, rises up and he says to himself, something's going on here. Something's going on. I, I don't feel good. These, and there was no visible sign, but he could feel it in the air that the Israelites were getting stronger and stronger. And he says to himself, they're going to turn on me. But he doesn't know what it is because he says, they are going to join with another army and fight against us. So he knows something is going on. He just doesn't know how God's going to do it. Are you hearing me? And God comes to you in... See, the reason he doesn't print it out on a newspaper is he reveals it in parables and secrets to keep it from the enemy to reposition you to a place of superiority. Are you hearing this? And so the enemy's picking up. He's resisting but he doesn't know what God is doing. And so we've given this invitation to pray in the spirit. And in the spirit realm, God begins to reveal to us mysteries of the kingdom. Isaac did that. He meditated in the fields. That's the Old Testament version of us praying and waiting on the Lord, praying in the spirit. And he lifted up his eyes and he saw a camel coming with his wife. He saw provision coming to him. You know what the Lord said to me? Listen to this. He said, every hour of meditation and waiting on me is equal to a hundred hours of toil. Did you hear that? That's hundredfold ground. Every hour, he said to me so clearly, every hour 
that my people... This is not a formula, but this is, this is a principle. Every hour that you wait and pray in the Spirit and wait on the Lord is equal to 100 hours of your toil. So think about it. What's a day worth? What's a week worth? Kingdom of darkness? Kingdom of mammon and system of man versus the kingdom of God? Isaac prays in the field, meditates, and his greatest dream comes before him. The thing that he needed to comfort his heart, he'd lost his mum, and God brings the perfect woman. And this happens to us over and over. I've got so many stories I could tell you, but do you know, the Lord called Karen and I to pray over a suburb in our city that really is unreached. It's an affluent suburb. It's in seven weeks. I want you to prayer march, walk down, find the richest street in that suburb, and walk and declare that the kingdom of God has come. We may be the first people who have done that. I don't know. It felt like it. But you know, just as we were about to do that, I had a dream. And in my dream, a Rolls Royce came into my driveway, a brand new Rolls Royce. But see, the Holy Spirit knows what's about to happen. And that week we went to a prayer walk down this street, a lot of spiritual resistance. We had lunch first. We walked around the block. We happened to see a certain business that was very affluent, very very a strategic business in the area and parked at the front of the business is a Rolls Royce. The exact one. And as we walked past it, didn't touch it, just walked past it, the owner of the business ran out straight for me. Stood there like this. And I thought, I'm not moving. And he thought, he's not moving. Because all of a sudden it dawned on me what was going on. My dream was playing out. The enemy had caught wind somehow that God was going to bring breakthrough into that area. And this guy had run out like I was about to rob him. And we stood there at the corner of the street for about a minute until he blinked. <laughs> and he moved because I refused to move. It was awkward, but I wasn't moving. I'm not going anywhere. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. But see, the Lord knows what's taking place in the heavenlies. He'll show us things to come. He wants to enlighten us. He wants to lead us. And I can tell you story after story of God coming with such clarity, such specific information. And one day I will, we will write about this, but this is what God does. And it's not because I'm anything special. You have the same, and my, my passion is to empower you that the same Spirit of God that's speaking to me in such clarity and revelation wants to speak to you if you would only believe that that's his desire. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, no one. You either hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is a spirit that came out of the Tower of Babel, it's a Syrian god of riches and God saying you will either embrace mammon who raises itself up against the knowledge of God. It says, I will be as God. I will provide your needs. I'll give you security, happiness, prosperity. And God's saying you'll either serve that or me pick. You can't have both. You can't serve God on Sunday and mammon Monday to Friday. You today, there's either a sign called mammon on your head or God. He says you can't serve both. And both want you to serve them. Both have a passionate ministry of causing you to serve and obey them. The tower reached up to heavens. It said the top or the head. See, what they were after, this is my theory, is that they rejected the system of God, the kingdom of God, and they built a tower. It was a spiritual act. Some people think it was a temple. By, by the bricks and the mortar that they, they had created. They, were, they built temples like that in that day. And it went up into the heavenly places. They were trying to access a realm to rule over the planet. And they tapped into a god of confusion. And to this day, the system of mammon infiltrates people and causes them to be confused and worried and anxious and under its power. And God said... I'm not the author of confusion. And the thing I've discovered about the kingdom, when God speaks, it's clear, it's freeing, it brings life, it brings blessing, 
and I can go to sleep at night. I have seen things I've invested in go backwards so far that it's ridiculous. And I don't want to tell anyone about it. But do you know what? Undergirding that, and I can say to the glory of God, has been at peace because it wasn't... And I know the opposite. I have operated in the system of mammon and lost a bucket load. And there was no peace and there was a lot of biting my fingernails. But when you operate in the kingdom and God says, do this, it can go... And sometimes God allows what he's told you to do to go backwards to test whether you believe that he is in charge. And that which went backward has now come forward. God is a faithful God. And when you hear him speak, there is a peace. But in mammon, there is confusion, worry, and striving. Verse 25, for this reason, I say to you, don't be worried about your life as to what you eat or drink or your body as to what you'll put on. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns and Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than them? And who of you being worried can add a single hour to their life? God says it's time to get a new view. Look at the birds. They don't worry because worry blocks supply. They know their realm. They're not birds living in the ground. They're birds that function in the air. And he's saying, you know what? I want you to stop worrying. I want you to discover your realm where I will bless you. And then as you do that, I'm going to pour out such a supply. It should be every believer's assignment to find out what realm God has called me to prosper in. And it may be this or that, but you didn't, am I a bird of the air or a lily of the field? Where do you want to prosper me in my life? Find that place and allow God to bless you. Now, it gets better. Verse 28, and why are you worried about clothing? Look, observe how the lilies of the field grow. They don't toil or spin. Yet I say not even Solomon in all his glory was clothed like one of these. If God clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much will he clothe you of little, little faith? This is what God said to me. He said, Andrew, isn't it interesting that there's more glory in life reflected in these plants than in all of Solomon's clothing and buildings. He said, it's in my wisdom that a lily that lasts a moment in time and then it's gone. Think about that. There and it's gone. He said to me, it's a big deal to me to release my glory in a moment. Every moment that you live on planet Earth is a big deal to God and it's first class. Solomon, all his glory. Think about Solomon, what that represents. He says, picture all that wealth, wisdom. Picture a lily. There's more of my glory and the glory of God releases all, all of his ability, all of his resources in a lily. It reflects more of me than Solomon, all of his glory. The years he took to accumulate, here's that lily that lasts for a day like you buy your wife the most expensive roses, she puts it in the tub and you come back the next day and they're wilted and you throw them in the bin. What a waste of money. It's not a waste. Why? Because the wife looked at those flowers and in a moment in time, she recognized beauty and the worth that you'd placed in her for that moment. And that moment lives on. This defeats the idea that you're just passing through. God invests himself in things that last a moment but reveal his glory. It can last but a moment, but if it's birthed in a secret place, then it lives on in eternity. This is what you need to get. Whatever is birthed in the secret place, even though it lasts but a short time, it leaps itself into eternity. This is what he's saying. Mary spent her livelihood on one moment with Jesus. And though everyone around her didn't recognize the significance of that moment, it lives on for eternity. And you are here today because one woman got a revelation of what God wanted to do in her in a moment, express his extravagance 
and it affected time and eternity. I'm here to say to you, when God speaks a word from the Lord into your life to do something, to release extravagance, to do something, spend. I believe, and this may be heresy to you, but I believe there will be days where God will come to his church and say, I want you to buy this thing for yourself. And it will be so extravagant. And others will criticize you because they won't see it was birthed in a secret place. But God is doing something in that time, in that moment of time, that what others see as a waste, he's saying it's going to open up a door in the future to unlock wealth for others because you were obedient in extravagance in that moment. And that moment in time actually goes into eternity. You can invest in things that last a long time on earth but have no value in eternity. Are you hearing me? God is rewiring the way the church thinks. And I'm telling you, God is going to come to some of you. He's going to give you such wealth. And he's going to ask, and this is not selfishness or greed, but he's going to speak to you and you'll know it's God. And you will buy a house or a car or this or that. And I don't want to materialize it all, but he will ask you to do something and that may only have a lasting value for a moment, but it's going to shape all of eternity. And lives, I believe what God does in my life, in my finances, in the way I invest and spend, and the things I buy, are unlocking things for people around me and in the future. Are you hearing that? I don't care what people think. I don't care if people say you're wasteful, you're this, you're that, you should be giving money to the poor. Well, who says I'm not? Can I not have a nice car and give money to the poor? But you know, the issue is what's done in the secret place. A lot of people give to the poor, but it's done out of a fleshly attitude, out of their own heart. And God says, you've got your reward. It's, it's finished. It's there. Remember, he says, their reward is finished. But he says, if you give from the secret place, Father who sees in secret will reward openly. It's an eternal reward system. God is rewiring the way the church thinks. He's going to change the way you spend money, the way you invest your time. He's about to turn it all upside down. And when he takes care of you, they will remember what you look like. Verse 31. What we'll eat and drink, what we'll wear. For the Gentiles, those without covenant relationship, they eagerly seek all these things. But your daddy, he knows that you need these things. He knows you need them, but he's not going to give them to you. They didn't say that. He says he knows what you need. And he's a good, good father. But he said, here's the deal. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. And everything that you naturally need will be given to you. What did I say? One hour of waiting on the Lord is equal to 100 hours at all. And the greater you discover how to wait on the Lord, you go from 30 to 60 to 100 fold. Don't worry about these things. Wait on the Lord. Maslow's hierarchy of needs says, give man food, shelter, safety. That's called the cursed system. He's articulating the system of the world. The kingdom of God says God is committed to all those things. Food, shelter, security. See, God turns Maslow's theory upside down. Because you read here, it's all about man's system. And at the end, you begin to self-actualize. But God saying, no, no, no. I'll take care of all those things. I'll turn it upside down. I'll take care of your food, your clothing, Everything you won't need to worry. You just focus on relating to me, loving me, meditating on me, and I will take care of the rest. I'm not saying quit your job. That wouldn't be very wise. But I'm saying your job is not your source of provision. It may be your assignment. God never designed your job to be your source of provision. He was the source of provision. And in fact, many of you are going to make more money in a day then you'll make in a month working. And you'll continue to work because God has placed you there to be a blessing to people. But your source of supply will be the river, the storehouse that God gives you. Amen? Amen. Some of you are going to purchase things that are going to shape eternity. You're going to spend money according to the will of the Father. He's going to place you in positions. See, 
I say to God, I will live wherever you want me to live. I'll buy a house anywhere you want. I don't really care anymore. I, and it's true. I could live anywhere, almost. <laughs> but well, where do you want me? Where do you want me to spend my money that opens up your glory and begins to shape things? I'm seeing God like that for the first time. That the way I spend my money, like Mary, has great impact. So, Father, I pray today, bless your people. Rearrange, and even as they re-listen to this word, rearrange their thinking. Unlock it, unlock it, unlock it. Cause them to see the kingdom and how it functions. And I know today that Father's giving an invitation to people. He wants to reveal to you how the kingdom functions for you. He says, seek me in this. Make it your life goal to seek me and ask how the kingdom operates. And he will show you he has a language designed for you. He wants to open your spiritual eyes so you see things that are hidden from man and the enemy, but they're hidden for you. He's going to show you things. You need, and you'll say, that, that can't be God. You'll say, no, I'm going to show you things through nature, through all sorts of things. I will reveal to you my glory and my strategy. I will show you things to come. And I'm going to raise you up to be such a blessing. So, Father, right now, let your kingdom come in great power. It's your good pleasure to give these people your kingdom. And, Lord, I also break the spirit of mammon over people, the spirit of poverty and greed, fear, worry, anxiety, wastefulness. I break that off people's lives and I ask, Lord, let the kingdom come with great wisdom. In you are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Let wisdom come. Show them the realm that they are to operate in. Cause them, Lord, to pursue that realm and understand how it functions in a worldly system and then to bring the kingdom of God overlaying that. Teach them, Father. Lord, I pray for those that think they're too old, too dumb, too slow for the kingdom. Father, I thank you that you came for a young boy with a couple of fish, loaves, and he gave it to you and you multiplied it and your government was seen. There was such an overflow. Lord, you would say to people that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all they could ask or imagine. So unlock, unlock rivers of provision and wisdom and breakthrough and destiny and fruitfulness over their lives right now. I call out the storehouses, not just one, but one after another. Lord, let them discover new storehouses that they have inside them, new realms to discover, new ways of operating. Thank you for that, Father. Bless your people. Cause them to live each day free from worry and stress. For you have a plan in Jesus' name.